0: You are listening to the next best picture podcast, and this is our review of Little Women.
1: I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make
0: it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end.
2: Ow, Every Joe! Second. I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want, too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but
1: it sounds so crass when she says. Oh. The girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. <laughs> I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way, least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. You are not married, aren't you? Well, much? that's because I'm rich.
0: Joe, would you like to
2: dance with me? I can't because I scorched my dress. And Meg told me to keep still so no one would see it. I have an idea of how we can manage. Joe is a lost cause. So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. We can leave right now. I'll sell stories. Joe! And you, you should be an actress and you should have a life on the stage. Just because my dreams are different than yours doesn't mean they're unimportant.
1: I've loved you ever since I've known you, Joe. I couldn't help it. It would be a disaster if we did It would be a disaster. Okay? We'd be miserable. Jo. I'd be a perfect I can't.
2: saint. I can't. A new play written by Miss Joe March. They have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts. I want to be great or nothing. And they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty. I'm so sick of people saying that love is just all a woman is fit for. I'm so sick of it.
1: So, who does she marry?
0: All right, everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for the 2019 version of Little Women, and the story is as follows Following the lives of four sisters, Amy, Joe, Beth, and Meg, as they come of age in America in the aftermath of the Civil War. Though all very different from each other, the March sisters stand by each other through difficult and changing times. The film is starring Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, Eliza Scanlon, Laura Dern, Timothy Chalamet. And Meryl Streep. It is written and directed by Greta Gerwig. Join me for this podcast review. I have Nicole Ackman.
2: Hi, everyone.
0: And Ryan C. Showers. Hello, hello. All right, so Little Women. uh, Technically and rightfully, deservedly, and (laughs) unquestionably, a Christmas film that we are reviewing post-Christmas here. And uh, at the end of 2019, it's one of the last films to be released this year. It was definitely hotly anticipated after Greta Gerwig's Academy Award-nominated solo directing debut Lady Bird. Uh, This also stars a dream cast uh, for Film Twitter, especially. It's like all the internet favorites all put together for one solid movie. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, anticipation with this one. Uh, You know, the question of, you know, how would it compare to Lady Bird, especially after its enormous success? And does Greta Gerwig uh, really establish herself as a directing force? And I think the answer is unequivocally, yes. But let's hear from you guys. Nicole, let's start off with you. What has been your experience with Little Women? It's numerous adaptations. What was your anticipation heading into this? And what did you ultimately
2: think? Yeah, so... I have a bit of an interesting relationship with Little Women in that I don't actually remember when I first discovered it. I think I must have been seven or eight, maybe, when I first read the book. Um, I've read the book numerous times. I'm in the middle of a reread right now, and it's it's an interesting novel in that. I think that like as you come back to it at different ages, you get something different out of it every time. And one thing that always strikes me about it is how incredibly modern it is, even though it was, you know, published for the first time in 18, well, 1868 and 1869. But there's so much in it that's still relevant today. And these characters feel very real. And I also have uh, seen many of the film adaptations of this, everything from the June Allison to the Catherine Hepburn to uh, the Winona Ryder version came out the year that I was born. And I grew up on that movie. My mother is a huge fan of Little Women. Um, my aunts are big Little Women fans. Growing up, a lot of my friends were into Little Women. Um, and so it's it's really always been a huge part of my life. And it's probably the most formative uh, piece of, of fiction, piece of art um, to my life. And it's something that I've returned back to again and again. And uh, it's always interesting to see how I relate to different characters um, as I get older. So I was... Really excited whenever you know it was announced that Greta Gerwig was doing this version, but also very nervous, because whenever you love something that much, it also means that uh, it will be that much more disappointing if you don't think it's good. But I got to go see this at a press screening uh, and take my mom with me, and we um, basically cried our way through it. Um <laughs> And then I got my whole family, my parents and my little sister, to go the day after Christmas and see it uh, in the theater again. And that kind of confirmed for me that it it really is uh, an incredibly special movie. It's an incredibly well-made movie, well-acted and everything. But I think that the most special thing about it is that it perfectly captures this book and what has made it. You know, stand the test of time since the 1860s.
0: Yeah, I definitely think there was some hesitation, especially last year. Uh, comparisons were made to Bradley Cooper directing A Star is Born in the sense of like, why do we need a version of the story? Like, How many adaptations will we yeah. absolutely need? And to your point, Nicole, uh, the story is timeless. And uh, Gerwig's uh, version, once again, uh, proves that uh, by finding new ways to adapt the material and make it feel um, modern to this time and age and relevant as well. So um, it's definitely got that quality to it and one that is passed down from generation to generation. i like you. My mother is also a huge, huge fan of uh, Little Women. And, uh, it was part of the reason why I actually, uh, had seen the 1994 version, uh, prior to my viewing of this one a few years ago. And, um, I've seen the other versions, uh, well, not all of them, but I've seen, um, the Catherine Hepburn, uh, version also as well. So, uh, there's definitely a bit of an influence there in terms of the generational aspect that I think, uh, you know, Gerwig's able to perfectly capture with this one, Ryan, same question over to you, expectations, anticipation, thoughts, fire away.
1: Well, um my history with little women, um, I of course read the book in high school. I love the book. I've seen all the films and um, actually in high school my uh, my school put on Little Women as our fall play um, and I was uh, the student director of the play. and it was only the first half of the book, so it ends on like a happy note. and <laughs> but so I know these characters, inside and out and i even know a lot of like a lot of the lines of dialogue in the play are taken directly from the book so i i was able to i'm very i'm very astute with the the material but um i think that gives me an interesting vantage point on the film adaptations from a critical perspective not necessarily from an emotional one as even though i did react very emotionally to the film i, I was able to see how greta gerwig captured the the essence of the story and used her own spin and like i you know for instance the first scene of the book is when they're um it's christmas morning uh and in the film it happens maybe like 15 minutes in and uh it's the oh how awful it is to be poor blah 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 and then marmy comes in and says you know we should take our food and give it to um the hummels and watching that scene with the four girls um it almost felt like improv to me. I was so impressed that she made these, made this dialogue work so fresh and new in a completely different way than anybody else had ever done. And um, so I was super impressed with, with what Greta Gerwig did. That's just one example. Um, but she took the, the book. And how I envision how she created this movie is she took the book, took scissors to the book, cut up. Lines of dialogue, scenes, and then just rearranged it in her own special way. And I have to say, what she did with the structure of the film is extremely important to note. She did something completely original with it. She made it made the story seem as though, like, one thing I've experienced as an adult is sometimes I look back at my childhood and I romanticize that time. Mm-hmm. As I face the hardships of being an adult, and how cold, and boring, and sad it can be, and I think that's what she was trying to get at with this film. She start she, the the plot of the film is Joe in the in the present day looking back at the the first half of the book essentially, and it's so smart and it's so moving and gets at something completely unlike anything that Louisa May Alcott probably envisioned when she wrote this book back hundreds of years ago.
0: I agree because, you know, like I said before, in trying to figure out why this story, why now, what can possibly be done with it that hasn't been done before, that was the thing. Yeah. And it did make it feel um, unique and relevant and also um, something that – It wasn't just another telling of this story. It was told in a different way that um, had a purpose behind it. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to tell it differently so that it stands out from the others. No, 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 no. There is a unifying theme to it all that actually makes it more engaging and more powerful.
2: I was just going to say, I watched an interview with Greta Gerwig, and she said that part of what um, inspired her to tell it this way was that she realized that you reach, you know, the midway point of the story. And from that point, the four girls are never together again. Yeah. Yeah. You only ever, you know, you never see all four of them at once. And she thought that that gave it such an, you know, if you're only ever looking back at the four of them together, that gives it such an interesting, like, nostalgic and melancholy feeling to it. Because, it, you know, it really hammers home there is that theme in Little Women that, like, it never can be the same again, that once you yeah. grow up, you can't go back. And I think that it really is effective that you you only get to see them, you know, as a full family looking back on this kind of rosy childhood.
0: Now, with all that said, I'm gonna get this out of the way early and I'm gonna move on from it. The first 15 minutes or so of this movie, because it's not the structure that we are used to, because it is uh, chopped up, um, there are quite a few jarring editing transitions in this movie that, especially for those that are not too familiar, I think, with the story of Little Women, if this is like their first experience with it, um, they I won't say they'll be lost, I'll say that they, well, yeah, I you know it, I will say that they will be lost, but... I will say that once you realize the established rhythm that Gerwig is going for in terms of uh, jumping back and forth between the past and the present and um, the different cues that she utilizes to make that happen, um, it's a seven-year gap. And... The characters are not particularly aged up in a way that is noticeable at first. Um, There are uh, differences in, like, the hair and things of that nature, and also the way that the characters, I think, uh, act and behave. Um, Brian and I were talking about this off-air the other day. There is also a cinematography uh, change between the past and the present. In the um, past colors are much more uh, saturated, more warm, and in the uh, present uh, they're desaturated and much cooler. And I think that's also tying back into what we were just talking about as well in terms of looking back on the past with that warm, nostalgic feeling. So there are like some instances, like I said, like with just in the very, very couple of first minutes, where if you're not too, too familiar, I can totally understand like why uh, this might be a little disorienting at first, or you might be think to yourselves like, wait a minute, uh, they were just together now, they're not, and like what's going on here? Um, I, I think that once you like kind of ease your way into it, um, it's pretty smooth sailing from then on. And one lover little nitpick, and I swear to God, it's all love and praise from there. Um, There are two instances of slow motion uh, in this movie that I don't understand why they're there. And I don't, like, get the decision behind it. And it just feels very odd to me. That's it. Um, (laughs) Otherwise, this movie is immaculate (laughs) in every single possible technical, creative way. And the ensemble is just amazing. Like, literally, it's like one or two little nitpicks. And then from there, like, everything else literally is firing on all cylinders. Like, Gerwig has truly upped her game from what she did on Lady Bird in such a huge way with Little Women. It's... It's very, very impressive, the leap that she's taken here.
2: I totally understand the issues that some people have with the editing. Um, I think particularly if you go in not super familiar with it. And I do think that, like, your average astute viewer is going to figure it out. Like, I don't think there's anyone who by the end of the film would still be lost.
0: No, not at all.
2: Paying attention at all. (laughs) But I will say that I think it's interesting because from people that I've talked to who are really familiar with Little Women, either from... Reading the novel or from having seen previous movie versions, I think the editing works really well. It's actually like one of my favorite things about the film in that, like, the way that they manage to mirror things between the two timelines and the way that they go back and forth, I think really manages to have like an even more emotional impact on the viewer. There's one thing in particular I'm thinking of about halfway through the film, I guess, where they uh, have you going between like a very happy memory and a very sad thing that's occurring.
0: Saoirse and walking down the stairs, I'm guessing.
2: Oh, my God. Yep. I it, it just absolutely destroyed me. And I think it's partially because whenever you have those two things juxtaposed so um, closely that, you know, it just makes it hit you a lot harder. Um, and I, I think that there's also the second time I watched it, I was noticing that there are some clues throughout. Like, I noticed in, you know, most of the times where they keep going back to New York in the beginning At the beginning of the shot, they will show you like there'll be a sign that says New York or there'll be you know some like the sign on the boarding house says it Um, and I think that you know Gerwig did try to make sure that there are these clues throughout Um, in addition like you were talking about the lighting and the hair and the costumes are another one to to keep track of
0: yeah it's definitely not um, something that you kind of get the sense that was just like cobbled together in the editing room and they were trying to salvage something this is definitely very meticulous and really well thought out for sure it just goes back to what I was saying before which is if you're not familiar with the source material, and this is your first um, intro into it, I can totally understand why some people might have that initial reaction, but the thing that I've been seeing that I think is very unjust and very unfair is they're holding uh, that initial criticism against the movie overall, and they're not like... Like you said, Nicole, I don't see how after the first just few minutes you can't just yeah. ease your way into it. I like if you're gonna yeah. like hold a grudge then throughout the rest of the movie for that long, um, I don't really understand that mentality because, like I said, it, the movie gets so many other things right, so right, in fact. Like costumes, production design, the cinematography, the score by Alexandre Desplat, which, raising my hand right now, I will hereby say I think is a million times better than what he just won the Oscar for on The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. There's just so many good things to praise about this movie that uh, to get held up on one storytelling decision that it... it, it, it It proves its worth by the end. I I just don't understand the criticisms that are being leveled at this. I really don't.
1: (laughs) Well, so, Matt, uh, whenever we were talking about this, it um, was—I mentioned to you that one of my nitpicks about the first 10-ish minutes, see, and, like, I think that your argument holds, but even for somebody who is familiar with the source material and the characters as much as I am, I struggled with the first 10 minutes. First, can I say the opening shot of this film is maybe one of my favorite aesthetic and symbolic opening shots of any film this year. Um, And I think the first scene with her is great um, in the, in the publisher house with Tracy Letts. Yes. Great. Um, But then after that, like there's this scene where um, she's running through New York city and there's a lot of things going on. Like first it's, it's, it's it's really fast and it's slow motion. And I just feel like there's a lot going on and I, it, it didn't really work for me. That uh, that's my one particular like nit- nitpick. And my second one is Amy's first scene. Like there was a lot of buildup to Florence Pugh's performance, and I have to say, um, spoiler alert: I think Little Women is the best film of 2019. It's my number one. I wasn't expecting it to be, but it is. I have to say, Florence, I'm not like 100% sold on the uh, intense. Um, love for Florence Pugh and it really comes out in the first scene I think she's actually pretty awful in the first scene I think she's great otherwise but the first scene the way that it's it's just kind of it's kind of wonky and I, I don't know but those are literally the only two things that are wrong with the film in my perspective and once you take those two things aside this film like it flies and it soars and it doesn't look back and I really do respect the editing Outside of those two little instances, those are just two little blemishes on something that is a technical marvel. Like, and I, I, it's like the the Greta's writing and the editing are working hand in hand to do something really spectacular. And I can't imagine any cinephile not getting a little excited when they see scenes like what you guys were just talking about with, um, Saoirse Ronan coming down the steps. Like those are just like the moments that people who love cinema and love like the art of cinema that we live for.
0: There's also like a, I'll give another example of exactly like what you're describing there, Ryan. There's an example at the end of the film where, um, Something is – like a story is being told uh, by Joe Marsh uh, to Tracy Letts, and we don't know necessarily if it's uh, real or not. And it's played up in this very romantic uh, sort of way that – it reminded me a lot of something like La La Land, actually. And uh, what I think that uh, Gerwig's uh, version also does that's extremely clever Is The ending of this movie is kind of a uh, have your cake and eat it too sort of ending where we're presented with two different versions of how the story could possibly go. And um, in many ways, it reminded me of uh, La La Land and how people had like their own takeaways, if you will of where characters end up, uh, what the ultimate um, feeling is that we're supposed to have when we walk away from the movie and such. And I think Little Women succeeds in providing that, which makes it an all-around, I think, crowd-pleaser because it works for everybody if you make that storytelling choice. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I think that what's so brilliant about it, too, is that, obviously, um, Little Women is a semi-autobiographical novel in that Louise May Alcott based it on you know, her life and her three sisters and their parents and Louise May Alcott never married and she went on to become a famous writer and Joe is very obviously a stand-in for Louise May Alcott in many ways and that yeah. part of what Greta has done with this film that's so brilliant is that it's the first version of Little Women to really acknowledge that and embrace it Um, and it's done in so many ways, like there, I remember I was watching this interview and there's a line that Marmy says to Joe that Laura Dern had actually found whenever she was reading the letters um, from Abigail Alcott, uh, Louise May Alcott's mother, to her um, and said, you know, I think that this should be in this film. Um, And it is. And But it's that we get the ending from the book, but we also get the ending that's true to Louise May Alcott's life. And I think that that is part of what's so brilliant about it is that, you know, like it even goes down to the fact that the book that we see, you know, Joe Wright, is the same exact binding and font and everything as Little Women whenever it was originally published in 1868. And it's that kind of meta-ness of acknowledging that Joe is Louisa that I think is also part of what makes it feel so modern because Louisa May yeah. Alcott and her set, you know, the Transcendentalists were very modern feeling and very into, you know, women's liberation and rights and all of that. And there's so much in it. Like, you know, there's the whole thing with... Um Jo trying to get her book published and Joe trying to stand up for her work. And it's so obvious that we're not just seeing Joe March try to get her work published. We're also seeing Louise May Alcott try to get her work published. And I think we're also seeing Greta Gerwig try to get herself taken seriously as a writer and a director in modern Hollywood, which yes. still isn't an easy thing for a woman. And I think that it's so easy to see that as much as Lady Bird was obviously a somewhat autobiographical film for her, so is Little Women. And, you know, she very obviously – and she's talked about that. She's always um, identified with Joe March. And I think that for any female author or writer or um, artist of any kind, it's very easy to see the struggle that women still face. Um, Emma Watson recently was talking about how, you know, there's this whole scene where they talk about copyright. And she said, you know, it's what we're watching Taylor Swift deal with right now is the issues of owning your own copyright. and it right fits into this, you know, piece that's set in the 1860s. And I think that that is kind of what is so brilliant about Gerwig's version that previous versions of Little Women haven't really hit on strong enough.
0: Well, you know what they say, write what you know, right? Yeah. So. Well,
1: I think that uh, another reason why Greta Gerwig may have wanted to do, why she may have picked this film as her second film at this point in her career is I think the scenes with Joe trying to sell her writing Is is very cathartic. Would be very cathartic to someone to a a woman who is who's kind of found success, but she still has to quote prove herself. And even like the way that we even started this review, we said, "Oh, will she be able to continue this ladybird success?" Like I think there was something very cathartic about Joe, you know, going head you know head to head with Tracy Letts, and I think she probably used her own experience to imbue those scenes with the impact that they have
0: yeah and Tracy um, I did an interview with him he had told me that like he gets cast a lot of times as playing like these men behind the desk type of characters Mm -hmm. and he's just so perfectly well suited for that but also too because he has an established chemistry with Saoirse Ronan that stems from Lady Bird so there is a bit of um once again, a meta quality, if you will, uh, that Gerwig is uh, kind of playing upon by having those two bookend the movie together. I want to just say really quickly, and then I'll get back on uh, on track here, I have just one little side note. I absolutely love the way that Tracy Letts delivers uh, his line reading of, no, no, that won't work at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hysterical. Um,
2: well, I think every line <laughs> he delivers in this film is just incredible. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, he's
0: got such great presence. It's I, I wish he was in the movie more, honestly. Um, and we'll get back to the ensemble in just a second here, but I also want to... Uh, Uh, highlight, uh, there are a number of other stylistic uh, decisions that Greta Gerwig does make in this uh, version of Little Women um, that helps to give it that unique flavor. You know, um, as I've said on the podcast a lot of times, I like movies that challenge me. Um, I like being uncomfortable when I watch a movie. I like being taken out of my comfort zone. Little Women is not that it's instead it's something else it's the exact opposite of that and it does this uh quality so extremely well it's really really hard for me to think of many movies that are able to pull this off as well as this one does little women exudes warmth it feels comforting it feels like something that you just want to spend so much time with um whether it's because of that nostalgic look back on the past, whether it's because of the warm hues of the cinematography, like we were uh, talking about before, um, the performances, Alexandra Desplat's uh, score, which is, like I said before, just absolutely incredible in setting the mood of the movie. There, there is something I feel. I've watched this movie three times now, and there's every time I watch it, there's something that I feel. Um, that I just can't break away from. I, I just I, I want to I want I want to like live inside of this world um, and spend more time with these characters who are so richly well drawn. I understand that they've been uh, adapted before, and I understand that you know they are very well known characters. But Gerwig, she just utilizes even the smaller roles, like Chris Cooper. In this movie, like down to the tiniest, smallest roles, it feels like every single character from this book is so incredibly fleshed out. They feel like real people, and I just want to spend as much time as humanly possible with them. That's a credit, I think, both to Gerwig's ability to adapt the source material and to the actors and the level of warmth and humanity and depth that they imbue in these timeless characters.
2: I think this is the first version of Little Women where literally every character that comes on screen, I was like, yes, this is who I've pictured my entire life. Yes, this is who I've pictured my entire life. Like, they all have these characters down so packed. And I think it it also shows that, you know, the cast have talked about the fact that they did a lot of research and research into the Alcott family and, you know most of these characters are based on real people. And I think that they really brought that into it. And the way that they actually feel like a family is so incredible. Like it's it's in all these little details of, and the way that, you know, Gerwig has the girls talking over each other constantly.
0: Oh yeah, the overlapping, like kind of Robert oh, Altman-esque dialogue. It's yeah.
2: so smart because that's like, I mean, if you've ever been around family. That's how families actually talk. Like oh, I've got think.
0: two little sisters. I yes. I fully understand.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's part of what makes it feel so real. Um, while at the same time, utilizing so much actual dialogue straight from the book. And what's not straight from the book is often from letters from the Alcott family and stuff like that. And I think that it's, it's, um, it, you know, obviously, these are great characters um, to begin with, if they weren't, this wouldn't be adapted so many times but I think that Gerwig really gets them right in a way that no adaptation ever has before like we've had ones that got these characters right but not these or these but not these but I think this one just really nails everyone and like you said it really gives life to these smaller characters like Chris Cooper is so good as Mr. Lawrence and James Norton makes John Brooke, like, actually seem like, you know, the dreamboat that he is and not the throwaway character that he becomes in yeah. adaptations. And I mean, Aunt March could be such a throwaway role, but Meryl Streep, like, seems like she's just having a blast.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: And I think that you can feel that, like, everyone involved in this film really cares for little women and really has a respect for Louise May Alcott. They've talked about, they spent time at the Alcott family home um, and, you know, I, th- I just think that like, there's such care in the making of this film and that that also is part of why, uh, it just feels like something that you want to go and like live in.
0: <laughs> when you have people saying that, uh, uh, bet the character of Beth, mm-hmm. uh, for the first time ever, we're not just referring to her as the sick one. We're yeah. referring to her as someone, uh, that as social Ronan says, you know, women uh, have minds, uh, they have dreams, and they uh, have, you know, uh, ambition, and it, it that, I think that speaks to, I think, what Greta is just doing with all these characters that we've kind of, like, written off maybe in previous versions, like, especially Amy March, played by Florence oh Pugh, as we said before. <laughs> um, she's made them all equally, whether, even though they all have differing uh, amounts of screen time, she's made them all come alive in a way that I've never seen balanced in another version of this story before.
1: Well... And I have to say, I really do agree with Nicole on the the fact that this cast feels like an actual family. Like the chemistry that that they achieve here is just unlike anything, um, unlike anything we see on a normal basis. Like, in fact, I was uh, after I saw Bombshell, I, I I thought, no way, will any other film top this for my personal cast ensemble. I'm um, winner in my personal lineups until I saw little women. and it was it wasn't even like a, a thing. Like I didn't even think about it. It was little women. That's it. Like it there's something so extraordinary about what the cast creates um, in their chemistry.
0: And I was really worried. I think I vocalized this. I was supremely worried. I'm still worried uh, about how Timothy Chalamet is being utilized uh, in Hollywood nowadays. Yeah. Because to me, I look at him and he just looks like a scrawny little shrimp of a kid. <laughs> and I, I like I barely, barely bought him in uh, the King. Uh, you know, because like I said, his stature is just so tiny. But here, playing uh, Laurie, it really worked for me. Because he was able to convey that boyish uh, quality of being young and naive and silly and stupid. But then that Chalamet intensity that uh, he's able to really pull off with just a stare, really, really worked to his advantage uh, when he was being portrayed um, as a bit older and more mature, still dumb uh, to a certain extent. <laughs> but I really felt like he uh, fits so comfortably within uh, Gerwig's um Gerwig's vision for how she uh, wanted to portray both this world and also this character as well.
2: I think it's funny, because whenever I was rereading it and I read the first description of Laurie in the novel, I was like, yeah, you know, if if you told me I could cast anyone as this half-Italian orphan boy who's just so lonely and then becomes, you know, basically the other half to a Sarah Ronan character, like, I'd say it has to be Timothy Chalamet. Like,
0: right, yeah. Um,
2: I think that he he fits the role so well, and I think that he... Obviously like his chemistry with Sarah Sharonin is a lot of that. They're very believable as Laurie and and Joe. Um, and they have this like way that they are perfectly in sync with each other. Um, that I think it's the kind of chemistry between two actors that you don't see very often. You know, they, they feel like they could go on to become one of the great pairs in the in the style of, you know, Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn.
0: Or Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone yeah. <laughs> in more recent times. Yeah, I, I, I got to ask a question. Did you guys get kind of, um, I don't want to say weird or creepy vibe, but I'll say weird and creepy vibe um, between how Laurie does kind of bounce around from sibling to sibling uh, within the family. I mean, they, he even has that scene with uh, Emma Watson, Meg, at the uh, at the party where I was like, is he coming on to her? <laughs> what what's happening here? Like, no. what is this boy doing? You know, I'll let
1: Nicole answer this. I think yeah. The thing
2: about Laurie as a character is that he is an orphan who is raised by his grandfather, who's quite gruff. And he is like, his main character trait is that he's lonely at the time that we meet him. And he sees this family that he literally watches out the window. And he thinks that, like, this is what he wants. This is all that he wants is to be a part of this world. And there's been some really interesting things written about how Laurie is one of the first male characters to ever, like, wish to be part of a female world. But then he gets in there and they all just accept him. And there's a beautiful scene where he first um, comes into the Marsh family home. And, like, Marby, like, just hands him a scone. Um, And he just looks... Like, someone has given him a million dollars. Like, he's never really had that kind of uh, environment to be in. And it really, you see it, it transforms him and it brings out the best in him. And he genuinely comes to love each of them, you know, not just because they're Joe's sisters and not just because they've taken him in, but he, he genuinely has a relationship with each of the girls. And that's something that's also straight out of the novel, which I really appreciate it because often... In adaptations, it's like, well, there's Joe and Laurie. But the truth of it is, there's also all the way through Laurie and Amy and Laurie and Beth and Laurie and Meg. And, um, you know, he's a driving force and kind of pushing his tutor towards Meg. And I think that, like, that's something that they really did well is that, obviously, he has a lot of scenes and a lot of great chemistry with Saoirse Ronan. But you really feel that, like as much as he is Joe's best friend, he also just wants to be a part of the March family. Um, and I thought that he really captured that well.
0: For the praise that you're heaping on uh, his uh, chemistry with Saoirse Ronan, I'm curious to know, did you feel that the spark between him and Amy ever matched that? I won't say exceeds, but did you feel it ever matched it?
2: I I think it's it's a hard thing to say because it's, it's a different kind of spark if that makes sense yeah he tells that that, to
0: joe uh towards the end yeah that's different
2: they showed that quite well in that you know it shouldn't look like his relationship with joe whereas i think that timmy and sarah have that very much like they on screen they feel like kindred spirits they feel like two halves of a whole um but i did think that there were scenes where i genuinely bought the tension between him and amy um i don't know if that was you know up you that was you know
0: I think that's all Florence Pugh and the way exact, that she just like picks him Jr. apart and comes down on him
2: but I do think that it is much more believable in this version than it ever has been before like I think that often it that's feels fair. like yeah. it feels like there's no genuine romance there it's just like and then he finally got a March sister well
0: that's what I was worried about I was worried about it coming across as like him settling if you will and um, I, was, I was a little worried about like if if it was going to be believable, um, and if it was also going to be something that I really bought in, I do think that there is. Uh, he has a great line reading uh, towards the end of the film where um, he's uh, questioning about another man in Joe's life, and he's like, "Seriously, will someone tell me who this is?"
2: <laughs> yeah, oh those so <laughs> yeah. well, scenes, and he's like, when that bit where they're you know getting ready to, they're like, "Go after him, Joe," or whatever, and he's like, wow, I can't believe I'm going to help Joe March chase down a man." Right. This is fun. <laughs> And I think that he, he deals with the kind of post-fallout of the Joe and Lori relationship really well. And I think that one of my favorite things about him is that sometimes you get men playing Laurie who seem angry towards Joe, particularly in that, you know, iconic proposal scene. I don't think that's a huge spoiler. It's in the trailers. Um, and... I never felt that from him, which I appreciated. It was just frustration. Um, and I felt that he, like, really understood Laurie's, you know, he's not angry with Joe, ever. Like, he, I think that he understands, as much as she does, why it can't work. He's just frustrated. And I, I love, then, the cut to him, like, just being delinquent in Paris. Um,
1: well, yeah. I've always, I, guess, I think what Greta does with, or at least how I read what this film does with the, with Joe and Lori is they have a sibling like brother, sister kind of bond that uh, it makes, it made sense to me that he, and it's, it's different from what Amy and Lori have, which in the, the present day timeline is obviously more geared at the romantic relationship. And I think that I think it is well-defined and I didn't see it as him hopping from one sister to the other. Um, so, but I agree with everything else that Nicole said about the way that um, Lori is used as a uh, how he uses the March family as wanting to be a part of. Any family entity.
0: I will say also too that um, I know she gets a bad rap from a lot of people, um, sometimes deservedly so. Um, I don't think Emma Watson is horrible in this movie at all. Uh, uh, I think uh, no. <laughs> she's great, right? And I, I've heard some people like say that she's like the weakest uh, of the cast and stuff. And I just I, like I don't know what to believe anymore with that because I feel like the internet just loves to pile on her, and I don't understand yeah. why. She's not great. But she's good. And I think, once again, um, part of the reason for that is because Gerwig devotes um, uh, quite a bit of time to her storyline here with um, her uh, husband, uh, John Brooke, and um, their status as being, um, you know, in love, but also poor. And... The back and forth of can love still overcome uh, one's circumstances, uh, financial circumstances within the world, and I, I think that that's a very important quality and important theme that uh, the book gets at, and also too uh, this movie also gets at, and it once again fills you with that kind of warm, hopeful feeling that even if we found ourselves like in similar uh, circumstances where it's like this is not the life that I imagined for myself, but I'm still at least spending it with the love of my life and that ultimately will make it okay in the end. Um, I thought that she sold it very well. And it, it came across, uh, you know, uh, to the point where I, I just don't understand the internet's hatred towards her. I just yeah. don't get
1: it at all. I think <laughs> this is one of the best Meg Marches that we've ever seen on I yeah.
2: the like, Yeah. Like, also... I just, I think, real quick, and then Ryan, I'll let you speak, but I want to say just in in terms of what you're talking about with this, you know, idea of love and poverty is I think that one of the best cuts of the whole film is whenever we cut from John and Meg in their humble little cottage um, and them worrying about money and we cut to Amy and her art studio in Paris and it's just this juxtaposition of, you know, they're living in, essentially, you know, they're floating around the poverty line and then to Amy with all these, like, you know, it almost seems gaudy then. Um and I just think that that's one of the most interesting editing choices that I've seen because it it you don't have to say anything, but it just shows you something about the two sisters.
1: well, the most one of the most effective editing choices with um, with Meg for me was um, she's at the at the dance in her big pink dress, and it goes from that scene quick to them sitting at the um, the kitchen table discussing the silk that she had bought and um, that was extremely expensive. Uh, and uh, this is something that Gerwig does throughout the screenplay. She finds the, the parallel emotion from the past to the present and putting them side by side is so, so brilliant. There are some that are really obvious, like the one we've talked about with Sorcerer and coming down the steps, but there are more subtle ones, basically every time there's a transition from past to present, um, and I think Emma Watson in that scene that they have in the kitchen—that's her best scene in the film, and one of some of the best acting I've ever seen her do. So, I think they—I think they did Meg March justice.
2: Yeah, I Meg March is my favorite character. I am a Meg myself, and I've never felt like she's gotten her due in any films. And I feel like a lot of directors and writers haven't really understood her character. And I feel like Gerwig sees that you know Meg is. Um, as important as Amy or Beth to this story and that, you know, her decision to marry for love, even though she's marrying a poor man, is as brave as Amy's decision to, you know, try to be an artist. And I think that it really gets her right. And I think that Emma Watson has a lot of that. She has such a lovely big sister quality to her. And I think that she works really well. And there's so many good scenes with her. Like the one that my little sister can't stop talking about is, you know, there's that iconic scene where Joe burns Meg's hair. And the way that, you know, she she's most of this film, she's trying to set herself up as, oh, I'm the mature one. I'm the whatever. And she sees it all happen and she just screams, "Marmy!" And it's like you see that underneath all of this posturing, like she is still a little girl. And I just think that it's so brilliant.
0: <laughs> Can we, uh, you just mentioned Marmy. Can we uh, just take a oh. moment to uh, talk about Laura Dern for a second here? Because I am maybe of the belief that I think she's better here in Little Women than she is in Marriage Story. Retweet. Don't, don't, don't at me. Please don't don't no, hurt me.
2: I think you're right. I think you're absolutely I think that this is a much more nuanced performance than the character of Nora in Marriage Story. I think that she's I I really like her in Marriage Story more than a lot of people do, I think. But I think that what she does in this film is so much more special and shows off her talent so much better. And it's dynamic. Yeah, and like I've said like she's did a lot of research to try and find you know, the Abigail Alcott behind the Marmee and to try and make Marmy more of a character. And I think that it's the first time that we've really gotten to see on film that is a really complex character. And I love, it's the first time they've ever included that line, I think, um, from the book where Marmy says, I'm angry nearly every day of my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way that she brings that anger and that frustration and like, oh my God, the scenes once um, their father is home where they're just kind of like, little bit nipping at each other you know and they they have this thing that i feel like we we've all seen our parents do where like one of them says something stupid and the other one is like oh my god really like (laughs) it just feels very real and i love there's a scene where she's um coming into the house and you see her in her actual emotion and then she kind of like preps herself to be marmy and to be the mother to her girls and I just think that there's so many little things like that that are so brilliant
1: it is brilliant yeah know? I mean like I honestly the only way I, I'm gonna get through this season with if Laura Dern does win all five televised awards it will be in my head I'll think that like she's winning this for both films because yep. what she does as <laughs> Marmy, this is like the Marmy that we've always deserved this is yeah. the best movie that's we've ever had and um, You know, that scene, Nicole, that you just described where she is walking towards the house and she's so angry and sad and she's crying and she sees the girls um, playing and she puts on a mask she and becomes like, you know, the caring mother that she's known for. That is the essence of Marmy and it's brilliant. And I think Greta Gerwig did so much to give Marmee her due, not just with like the the anger aspect, but even just the way that the film ends. It's essentially a celebration of Marmy. And I, it's just there's so much that has, that's well done on Laura's part, on Greta's part. I'm, I'm over the moon about the way Marmy's characterized in this.
0: Absolutely. And I love, too, that you mentioned the celebration bit as well, because I do think that that helps to uh, capture the generational uh, aspect that we were talking about before and how that all fits in thematically with how we have experienced little women and also, too, the stories of these women in this version of uh, the story that we're all familiar with that's been handed down. Like I said before, it all kind of like ties into one another in a very, very nice circle, I feel like. Uh, this has been a gradual buildup in talking about the cast, now talking about Saoirse Ronan as Joe March. <laughs> and um, I love that there is a, uh, I love the line in the movie uh, where, uh, what, what is it again? It's something like, what Joe wills shall be done. It's like such a great uh, line to perfectly illustrate what kind of a character Joe March is. And I think that I love the story I've heard uh, in several interviews where Saoirse Ronan, when she uh, found out that Greta Gerwig was going to do this, basically said, you're not auditioning anyone like I'm playing this and like forced yeah. her way into um, this movie. And I think that when I look at you know the current slate of actresses that possibly could have played this role in this character. Um, and who she uh, is on, both on the page and also in other adaptations, I can't think of anyone more well-suited for that rebellious um, quality than Sir Ronan. It's not just because... She worked with Greta Gerwig in Lady Bird. Uh, even if she hadn't had that rel- relationship with Greta Gerwig, I would still think that Saoirse Ronan was the ideal casting choice. And she really, really does knock it out of the park in making that character come alive um, in such a, like I said before, a relevant way for a 2019 uh, modern day audience.
2: I think that Sersha was right that, you know, she was born to play Joe March. Right, And that I think she's the best Joe March we've ever had. I think that one thing that I really admire about the film is the way that Saoirse and Greta aren't afraid to show that Joe March is not a perfect person by any means. She has this horrible temper. She has this anger. And it's something that she has to learn to control. And I think that sometimes in adaptations, um, there's a tendency to not show Joe's uh, worst sides. And I like that they don't shy away from that at all. You know, there are times where she's genuinely horrible um, in the same way that Amy is. Or, you know, and, and we get to see that and we get to love her for it. And I think that, you know, Sarah she just has this passion and this fire to her performance. But she also feels appropriately both of the period and not of the period. Because Joe is a character who is meant to stand out and who is meant to not fit in.
0: I think that that's what gives the whole story, not just this version, but the whole story. It's timeless quality, don't you think?
2: I think that's part of it. I think also that like it's timeless partially just that in in the fact that it's about family and it's, you know, there are relationships in it that I see in my life.
0: Yeah. Like certain universal truths that never change. Yeah. Like
2: I think sisters will always fight. (laughs) Of course. Um, (laughs) My sisters and Amy. (laughs) Um, but I think that, that part of it is that, you know, Joe is very much a girl who is ahead of her time in many ways. And yet I think even um, I think that a lot of girls relate to Joe whenever they feel out of place growing up and they feel like they don't fit in because that that's also who Joe is. And I think that Sarah is just the perfect choice for that, not just because, you know, in the past five years, she's kind of become the go to girl for any big coming of age story like you know, I think there's obviously similarities here between this and Lady Bird or this in Brooklyn. But I think that she has such an incredible uh, ability to show emotion, often without words. Like there's so much silent acting that happens in this film. Um, Particularly there's there's scenes I'm thinking of where, you know, something occurs and there's this exchange without words between her and uh, Laura Dern's character. That's really beautiful. And I think that that this is actually one of the times that I think that it's really, um,
1: apparent just how incredibly talented she is. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, I love Lady Bird as much as the next person, but I think this is, um, Sorcha's best performance ever. I would agree. And, and uh, I, I'm not there yet. I, I think it totally tops Lady Bird. I think the last 30 minutes and that, that's what really sold me on Ronan. In fact, like, um, I and I don't think that I, I'm sure that there will be another Little Women movie in the future. Maybe not in the immediate future, but mm-hmm. uh, throughout our lifetimes after we're gone, there's going to be Little Women's. Okay, and I don't think that anyone will ever measure up to Jo March the way that Saoirse Ronan does.
0: Yeah, that I can probably agree with you on. Yeah, uh, I think that it, she's definitely the best version of the character that I've seen yet, for sure. There is a there was a moment in the movie where uh, Jo March cuts her hair and that's like an example of like the rebellious nature of that character that she doesn't like um, abide by the social norms of that time and she's just willing to do whatever she you know can and will do to support her family and that kind of makes her a bit of like a maverick in sort of ways you know which I like really really like about the character but then cut two later on she's crying and she gets asked you know what, what are you so upset about and she is still upset about her hair And I I like that there is that established example uh, early on in the movie because then later on in the movie when she has her big monologue where she talks about uh, how she tries to live her life, how she wants uh, women to be um, in this time – and how she's just so sick of how women are being pigeonholed into only caring about fancy dresses and love, and the love only being the only thing that a woman is fit for. Dot dot dot. But she's so lonely. Yeah. And I I love that there is this push and pull of the character wanting to break out of what society is like coming down on her for but at the same time it's like who doesn't want to who, you know she what did she say she says to Marmy, I, I I care more about being I care loved more than to loving be loved. yeah exactly yeah. and then uh, Laura Dern tells her it's not the same thing
2: it's crazy too because it's something that, and I've seen other women on Twitter talking about this. I've never really seen it expressed like this in a film, but it's something I've really dealt with in the past like five years of, you know, as as a modern woman, you you want to say like, I don't need a relationship. I don't need a man to define me. I have my own ambitions. I have my own plans. And then at the same time, there's that part of you that's like, yeah, but I, I, I want a relationship. I am lonely. I, I do want love. But then you feel like, oh, but I can't want that because I have this ambition and I have these things that I want. And it's it's such a weird thing that I think a lot of women now and a lot of women throughout time have been kind of saddled with is trying to reconcile those two things. And I don't think I've ever seen it addressed so beautifully and so poignantly on film before.
1: And directly. I mean, it's yeah. the, the way that she um, and the, 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 she's not pulling any punches with, her, uh, with her exploration of this topic. And it's one of, and like you said, Nicole, I've seen a lot of women in my life struggle with this balance. And even I have struggled with that balance to an extent of wanting to be independent and kind of rejecting the no, those notions, but then still having those lonely feelings. And like I was getting at earlier with how I described the structure of Joe in the modern day as an adult, looking back on her childhood with nostalgia and even romanticizing it to an extent. Like, I think that there are, are aspects of Greta's, uh, Greta Gerwig's um, approach to the story that are so human and come across as so human and universal. And I think that's why the film is so successful on an audience level, even though the film is so successful on a critical level with how she reinvents the, uh, the story and truly makes a, a, a true adaptation um, that's her own. Um, She really creates something monumental here. (laughs) I also do think, uh, for me, I know that the the internet and film Twitter just adore Lady Bird. It's probably one of the defining film Twitter movies of the decade. But I do think Little Women exceeds Lady Bird um, on, on every level it's a huge step forward. It's epic. It's daring. It's well, remember
0: when, uh, when little, when Lady Bird came out, I was about to call it little bird. Remember when Lady Bird <laughs> came out, um, and people were saying, Oh, Gerwig's direction is not that flashy, you know, stuff like that. I was one of those people, people just saying, uh, but you know, there was something about the way that the story flowed and the way that the characters were so richly drawn. That's a, that's a aspect of directing that gets underappreciated. And, um, sometimes, you know, Um, It's something that, you know, because I think maybe because we see so many independent films a year, we're looking for the flashy stuff that really stands out and is loud and so on and so forth. Here, I think that she never, ever does anything um, in terms of her directing that it would be still considered, quote unquote, like obnoxiously loud and flashy. And hey, look at me, I'm directing, you know, sort of quality. But it's still such a huge leap forward for her. On just a logistical level, having to get the, you know, production design, uh, you know, right to the period, um, having to, like we said before, the differences in the cinematography, the costuming, it's, I think that there is definitely a greater challenge that she set for herself with Little Women compared to Lady Bird. And uh, in t- speaking what you're talking to there, Ryan, um, I can totally see how and why this movie would then be, I think, much more appreciated. Uh, by so many people as a result of that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I'm not saying...
1: Go ahead, Nicole.
2: No, I was just going to say, I think that it shows too that there's... um, Obviously, like I think that Lady Bird is an incredible film and especially an incredible directorial debut as a solo director. But I think that there's so much more going on here, like you said, with the production design and everything. And the fact that she did this on film and apparently that's because Spielberg said to her, you know, he had recently done Lincoln and he was like, hey, if you want me advice on doing something of this period let me know but you know you need to do this on film and she was like what and he like brought out film and made her smell it apparently and was like (laughs) something of this period must be done on film and she was like you know what you're right and so I think that that you know also shows like a level of artistry and I think that we haven't really talked about the production design much but the fact that they freaking recreated the Alcott family home to do this movie Um, If you look at actual pictures of the Alcott family home, and then you look at the house in the movie, they're almost perfect replicas, which is kind of insane. Everything about this film is on such a grander scale, partially, I think, just because it's a period piece than Lady Bird. Um, And it also, it feels like an appropriate step up from that movie, just in terms of ambition.
0: Final thoughts. Anything that we did not discuss anything that you have written down in your notes, now's the time. Nicole.
2: I do just just want to say two things real quick. One, to build on what Ryan just said, I think that one thing that's so remarkable about this film is that it feels incredibly like this is Gerwig's creation and this is a new version of Little Women. While at the same time, it feels like this is the truest adaptation of a book I've ever seen. Um, and it feels like it perfectly captures the spirit of the book and the spirit of Louisa May Alcott and these characters. And there's so much dialogue taken straight from it. And I think it's it's an incredible achievement and in adaptation for it to feel both completely new and completely familiar at the same time. Um, I also just wanted to say, I can't go out of this review without saying... I think that the costuming in this film is absolutely outstanding, particularly the way that they use menswear inspired pieces and menswear pieces themselves for Joe, um, to kind of show her tomboy nature and to show that she's breaking out of the norm and the way that they use more feminine pieces for the character of Lori. And you get this real yin and yang between the two of them. And I mean, obviously there's all these like gorgeous ball gowns and everything, but I think that, um, the way that they costume the girls and the way that they show that they are kind of living in this genteel poverty where they once had money and now they don't. um, And how that's reflected in their outfits and how there are also things in their outfits that are details taken from the book. Like I just read the bit where um, there's a bit in the book where, Laurie gives Joe this ridiculously large straw hat because she's complained about uh, how she keeps burning her nose. And in the beach scene, she has this ridiculously large straw hat on. And it's never said, but it's there. Um, And I think that there's so many little details in everything from the costuming to the production design and best dolls and everything. That if you are a fan of the books, if you've read the book recently, you'll find that there's so many little quiet details in it that just really, really make it a, a really brilliant adaptation.
1: Ryan? I think it's the best film of the year. That's all I have to say.
0: All righty. When I originally wrote my review of this movie, obviously it was a first-time viewing, uh, I gave this film an 8 out of 10. And I even mentioned in my review, and I quote, Uh, you can read this right now on nextbestpicture.com. Shameless plug. Um, I wrote something along the lines of how um, (sighs) that the uh, the editing uh, basically prevented this movie from landing in my top 10 favorite films of the year, but as it stands, it's simply one of my favorites of 2019. So what's funny now is that I've watched it again and I've watched it again. And now after three viewings and... I've watched other movies also that I had in my top 10, uh, again, on rewatches to see how they would hold up. And I think that rewatching movies is just, I think it's extremely important. Mm -hmm. Um, Even ones that you uh, are not so sure about sometimes because you never know if it will go up or down. Um, There was another movie this year where I had a drastic 180 turn on, uh, but this one edged its way up just enough Uh, To land in my top 10 favorite films of the year, knocking out some other movies that upon a rewatch uh, showed to me that they had a few more problems than I was initially, uh, you know, either acknowledging or noticed on a first initial viewing because I was getting wrapped up. I would say with this one, uh, I saw some issues like there's like these moments where characters uh, talk directly to the camera and break the fourth wall. Um, But subsequent rewatches have uh, shown me why that decision was made and what it represents. And it made a lot more sense in that context to me. So it's like a lot of the decisions that Gerwig does make here are extremely justified. Um, I hope that the examples that we have all provided throughout this review uh, help to solidify that. So for me, I'm going with a 9 out of 10, uh, an extremely strong 9 out of 10, actually. Uh, it's one of my favorite films of the year, f- wholeheartedly. I had minor quibbles at first, but those minor quibbles are practically non existent at this point. I don't think it's a full fledged, like, masterpiece. I, you know, I don't know if I'll go that far just yet, because also, too, it's like, is it going to be dampened by another version that comes out later? I don't know. But what I can say, uh, to quote Lady Bird, is what if this is the best version? <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> and it is. It totally is the best version of this story. And so it rightfully deserves to uh, stand alongside uh, the best of what 2019 has to offer, for sure. Nine out of ten. Nicole, Ryan, give your ten out of tens. Ten. <laughs>
2: um it's like Ryan it's my favorite film um of the year as of right now it actually stands as my favorite film of the decade I think it's I I think it's a masterpiece particularly I think it's a masterpiece of adaptation I really can't say enough good things about this film I mean I've written two reviews and I'm still talking (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think it's a wonderful film and it's it's a 10 from me
0: all right, let's crash the party. Let's uh, get depressing and let's get upset right now. Oscar prospects for Little Women. Oh. Yeah. You, f- you forgot we were going to do this.
1: <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm curious to see, Matt. I'm curious what you have to say because you've told me privately that you think many fans are going to be disappointed. And I'm, I'm not uh, – I don't I'm know what to think right now. So,
2: I will say I think that it's box office is – Doing really well and can only help it. I feel like I okay. So obviously I'm very publicly a fan of this film. I have had people come in out of the woodwork to tell me that they've seen it, which is cracking me up a little bit. Um, and that they've gone with their parents and that their grandparents and and everything. And I think that, you know, that can only help it.
0: But are those people academy voters?
2: Well, but what I'm saying is like I think that what I'm hearing is that it's definitely a multi-generational film which can be helpful for it.
0: Here's what I took away from, I remember the first critics greeting that I went to. um, One thing that really stood out to me was how quickly, like you, Ryan, like you, Nicole, so many people were willing to say this was their number one favorite film of the year. Now, none of these people are Academy voters. None of the people that are going to the box office right now are Academy voters. However, there is something to be said for if you talk to enough people At the right timing in the award season when voting is happening and enough people are saying this is their number one favorite film of the year. And then you take the 9,000 people that are in the academy and you say to yourself, okay, well, if enough people I've talked to have said this is their number one favorite film of the year, and these are not just people, these are people I like actually respect who actually like watch film, understand film. They're not just like, you know, your aunt or whatever, I don't know, but like, you know, people who actually are as invested in this as we are. I think that that can correlate and tell you something possibly about the way Academy Voting members might think about this movie.
2: Well, and I'll just say that I think, and here's my comment on that. I do think that um, it helps. And part of why I say this, that, you know, everyone's telling me they've gone to see it is that all of those Academy members have, you know, mothers and uh, children and whatever who may say, you know, let's go see this film. And I think that that is the thing. Like, if it wasn't doing so well at the box office, I'd be like, well, it's dead because of its timing. Um, but I do think that it was obviously a very popular movie over Christmas, and I think that definitely some of those Academy voters were part of the rush of people who went on Christmas Day or Boxing Day with their families to see it.
0: But what about the timing and the sense of how it's performed so far at various guilds and other uh, voting bodies? I say this because with this condensed season this year – and Ryan, you've commented a lot about this this season – I think that a lot of people – Uh, because of how much less time they have uh, to get their screeners uh, in and seen, it's very, very possible they might be looking at what has been nominated at these other industry um, guilds and other high-profile shows like the Golden Globes, and they might prioritize something else over it because they don't see it in the best picture category. Like This film does not have a costume design or a production design uh, guild nomination, and that is just baffling to me but more importantly the fact that it's not listed i think that some people within the industry then it may not then see it because it's not listed as something that they need to see does that like does that make sense
1: i i it, it makes sense um matt and i think it could go either way um i i, I uh, yeah i've like you've said i have been talking about i've been warning everybody about these late breaking releases um since since August, like we have to be circumspect. Um, however, I do I do think that there will be a change. Maybe if if Little Women performs well at BAFTA, then I think we can yes. safely just yes. tiptoe into the Oscars. But yes. I think that enough people will put it at number one for it to get into Best Picture, no matter yes. what. Um, because Ronan and Gerwig are such a um a, a cultural like duo. And for mm-hmm. the past couple of years, like this is a known entity. People have been excited about this. People have been wanting to see it. People know who these people are. I and think there's
2: Dern and Streep and yeah, you there's know, other well-respected
1: people in the industry.
0: Where's the SAG nominations then to represent that?
1: I know the SAG was a huge blow, but it wasn't that unexpected, in, in my in my opinion. Again, well, because
0: but... of the timing and the release. Yeah, totally agreed. I mean, just for clarity and just so people know, I'm not just saying this. Um, you know, Wolf of Wall Street um, and other late December releasing films did not get SAG nominations. Um, this is not uncommon for a December Christmas release movie to miss it SAG. I,
1: I think because of who Ronan is and who she has made herself in pop culture. I think she's going to be safe to just slide right into actress. If she, if little Women performs well at BAFTA, I think maybe all the buzz about it right now may help it since voters are going to be voting eminently. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. I think it's I, the, the nomination total probably won't reflect its quality, but I do think that it will make it into screenplay. Into oh, it's picture, definitely
0: the getting concept. into adapted screenplay thousand percent i I think she's a contender to win right now i would
2: agree
0: it's between her i mean that's a really really competitive category actually when you take a step back with her taika the irishman uh two popes if it gets a best picture nomination could also be a threat that's a really really intense category uh for adapted screenplay right now but getting back to saoirse ronan really quickly she has golden globe she has critics choice she missed sag which was big if she gets in a bafta I will definitely feel a lot more comfortable about putting her in for the reasons that you said there, Ryan. My thing that I keep coming back to about Sersha over and over again is that she's getting nominated a lot at such a young age. And one thing that we kind of know is that unless if you are Meryl Streep, you don't get nominated for every fantastic performance that you deliver you know there are snubs that do happen and i do wonder if two years separated from ladybird if they're gonna bring her back again so soon um this might be one of those things where she came where she comes extremely close but it doesn't quite materialize because maybe there's more built up passion for other performances that have had more time for people to see to stew on so on and so forth instead of this late breaking one if that makes sense
2: i do think that she's helped Yeah, I do think that she's helped by the fact that some of the other competitors for those, let's say, fourth and fifth slots are lesser known, perhaps. Um, You know, there's a lot of talk around Aquafina for The Farewell or Cynthia Arrivo for Harriet. Um, And I think that Rodin's obviously more of a name um, and more of an accepted, uh, you know, talented person to watch. Um, And I think that that could help her. I do see... Your point about, you know, the getting nominations so close together, but it's also not as if there haven't been films in between this and Lady Bird. She's had several films come out in between the two.
0: But none that was, you know, she wasn't in the hunt, though, for any of those. Mary
1: Queen of Scots, I would argue she was. At least she in was the hunt in the hunt. early on,
0: but she never got a single no. No, she was never in the hunt. She didn't get BAFTA, Oscar. I'm, I'm sorry, Critics' Choice. No, she was not in the hunt for that. Okay, that well, was Margot Robbie.
1: I think. I think. Um, if anything, we can look. I think she's. I think Ronan is very comparable to Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said that's a good while, comparison. Too. I think Little Women is like her, um, the equivalent to Kate Winslet's nomination for Little Children in 2006, where she mm-hmm. wasn't really in contention to win. This was mm-hmm. just like another, um, another. Uh, buffer to her eventual big Oscar win that followed just that a few, makes year, sense. Years, a few yeah. years later. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what will happen with Ronan. But I mean, and she's also kind of like Jennifer Lawrence in the way like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence got nominated, got four nominations in six years. I mean, yeah. that's, I think I, I'm not worried about that aspect of Ronan in particular. I am more worried about the release date with her. And I yeah. do think, um, you know for like someone like aquafina she should have made zag there's no excuse mm-hmm. there isn't uh, there is an excuse why ronan didn't make zag i think i think it's fine
0: Well, someone sitting in a less um, safe position is Florence Pugh in Supporting Actress right now. She only has a Critics' Choice nomination, Uh, no Golden Globe, no SAG, Uh, BAFTA could come through for her, potentially. Mm -hmm. I've been on the record of saying that I believe that Florence Pugh, um, I said this very early, I think back in the summer, I thought like Florence Pugh was going to have a Jessica Chastain year um, with Fighting With My Family being released early, Midsummer being released in the Midway Point, and uh, Little Women being released at the end, she would be on the tip of everybody's tongue throughout all of 2019 and that could help her to get a welcome to the club uh, nomination. And I still believe that I actually kind of to a certain extent, feel more comfortable about her getting in than I actually do Saoirse Ronan, which I know sounds weird. I know it does. I really believe that it does sound weird to everyone that's listening right now. But there's this gut feeling that I have about her getting in there. I think it has to do with the category, if I like the other people involved that are fighting for the nomination slots. I don't know. What do you guys think of that?
2: I think that she—I'm i I'm predicting her right now. I think that it's such a weird category this year with so much up in flux that there only seem to be a couple of spots I'm sure about. And um, like you said, she's been, you know, getting all of these breakthrough uh, award nominations at Critics Awards and stuff. And I think that, you know, she's someone who clearly seems like she's probably pretty good at working um, a room. She's been out there doing all the stuff. Um, And I I think she'll get in. I I don't want to say that I'm, like, sure of that. But it feels to me like she will.
1: It's, you know, I... As someone who didn't enjoy her performance as much as everybody else did, I can I can see more soberly why the Golden Globes didn't go for her. Um, I, I think she's good and solid, but I don't think it's the sensational performance that everybody has um, made her out to be.
0: No, it's not. No, it's not at all. I mean, was Jessica Chastain sensational in The Help?
1: <laughs> no, but she was uh, collectively she was sensational in uh, in all of her films.
0: And that's what Florence Pugh
2: is this year. Yeah, I feel like in some ways, if she gets into Best Supporting Actress, it's for both this and for, um, you know, the other roles that she's done this year.
1: I don't know. I'm just, I would be cautious about it. Like, I don't see any reason why she missed Golden Globes. I mean, I know that what Little Women underperformed everywhere, but Annette Bening got in ahead of her. Like, that's just weird to me. Um, well, because she's Annette uh, Benning. On. but Yeah. That's- Regardless, that film has no buzz. Like it just, it feels like they were trying to fill fill a category. And like, I don't know. I would feel better. I don't know. I mean, there is a world where she gets the BAFTA nomination and then she just slides right into one of the slots. But I don't know. I, I would be cautious about predicting her. I'm like, I'm 50-50. fifty.
2: I'm predicting her in, but I don't think she stands a shot at winning it.
1: I will say that I do believe costume
0: design and original score are gimmies. Uh, those are happening, I think, no matter what, in my opinion. Yeah, Alexandre Desplat is a uh, name now, uh, like you know, like he's in the club. You know, he definitely like will get nominations left and right, even for scores probably that are not as deserving. But I think this one definitely is. And costume design, like I said, that that's just a no-brainer. Um, I don't know why I missed Costume Designer Guild. It, it, uh, 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 the only thing I could come up with is because the screeners were released late and not enough people saw it in time, but. Yeah. Hopefully now for this next voting deadline for Oscar nominations, enough people have seen the movie and will be able to get it in there. Production design is the one that I am I'm a little iffy on. I, I'm 50-50 on it. I don't know what to do there.
1: Well, okay. So let's just uh, regroup here. So uh, do we uh, – Matt, do you think it's getting in for picture?
0: Uh, yes.
1: Okay, so let's just say picture, screenplay, score, costumes, and one acting. That's at least five. I think that sounds about right.
0: It does, yeah. And,
1: and if it gets if it gets both actors in, then six sounds sounds right too. Yes, I would love to see Greta nominated for best director. I, it's just mm-hmm. it seems uh, it doesn't seem likely. I think whoever gets that last spot in director is going to be a real wild card that we've been seeing with the directors branch.
0: Now, what could happen? is we could have another 2012 scenario in our hands here where one or two of the quote-unquote safe uh, people in director Mm
2: -hmm.
0: could miss even the presumed winner or anointed winner, if you will, like Ben Affleck was that year. Yeah. And we could get a wild card, and maybe Greta Gerwig also gets swept up in there. I, I I listen. I want to just. I want to like also clarify this. I hate that I always have to do this, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Prediction does not equal advocacy. And I I say this because I want to predict her because I do think that her work here is better than what she get, did on Lady Bird. And if she got nominated for that, then she rightfully should get nominated for this. But sometimes these things are arbitrary. It does come down to timing and it comes down to the number of people that are fighting for um, those slots. And, yeah, there is a presumed, quote unquote, locked four right now, if you will. And in a fifth slot that's completely open that could go to uh, anyone, really. I mean, Pedro Almodovar, the Safdie brothers. It could go to Selene Skiama, for all we know. It could go go to Taika. Could go to Tyka, could go to James Mangold, could go to Todd Phillips, it could go to Noah Baumbach, it could go to like anyone. So, unless if you are going to be ballsy enough to predict that one of the four people miss, I don't see, I don't see how else she gets in, and and that and that's an unfortunate reality to admit to, I think, but it, it yeah. is what it is.
2: I have no guts, no glory right now. Predicting she gets in, and Tarantino misses. Um, because I feel like of the four locks, um, he is perhaps the most likely one to miss.
0: Oh, I actually think Sam Mendes is.
2: See, and I, I go back and forth on the two of them. But I, I do think that, like, everyone is talking about Parasite and the Irishman enough that they're safe. But and it's kind of I don't know that I actually think it's going to happen. It's it's really a, like no guts, no glory thing that. It's
0: not no guts, no glory. You just want it to happen. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, well, you know, that's part of it. No guts, like, no
0: guts, no glory would be predicting Selene to get, like, in I have heard my
1: predictions. You can check yeah. the site.
0: I, I saw that, Ryan. I, I appreciate the balls on you for that.
2: <laughs> I also currently have Tyka sitting in there because I've been playing with this category a lot. And he's done better than I thought he would be doing at this point. Um, and Jojo's Rabbit.
0: The sad truth of the matter, though, is that report that Variety uh, came out with about how many male Academy voters are not seeing this movie. Yeah. That crushed my spirit. <laughs> because, Ryan, you said something on the review that I think that really um, should speak to everyone that's listening right now is that this is a movie for cinephiles. that has nothing to do about gender. I mean, f- OK, it does have stuff to do about gender. Sure you know, in terms of the story and, you know, the themes and such. Okay, fine. But as someone that just appreciates, you know, cinema, how in God's name are you going to turn down the opportunity to watch this? I, I, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and maybe that's because I'm—I've seen it, so I'm speaking to that. So if I like hadn't seen it before, and I really was like closed off, I, I could say something like, "Well, I've already seen that movie; it's already been done to death." Bullshit! You watched *The Stars Is Born* last year, and you know that had been done to death too. So, like, what excuses are we really coming up with why people are not watching this movie, other than blatant sexism towards its director, its storyline, its cast, et cetera, et cetera? It's—it's it's bullshit.
1: Well, I think that. Um May, what if so? What if Greta Gerwig gets in at DGA? It won't. It probably won't happen because we <sighs> will have the same deal problem. But if she gets in at DGA, then I'll slap her in there.
0: Here's the problem with that though. DGA rarely matches lately. Five for five. Yeah. So that's my only issue. So if she does show up there and she gets also a Bafta nomination, I will feel amazing about predicting her. I will feel great. If she gets just EGA or just BAFTA, I think we're still in the same boat that we find ourselves in now, which is it could go any number of ways. And that director's branch has been kooky as fuck in recent years in terms of some of the decisions that they have made. It's it's exciting I think it's great. I love that we can get a surprise, WTF, like nominee and director every now and then. And yeah, what I like for more uh, women directors to be nominated. Do I hate also? Do I kind of also hate the fact that it's also the same uh, director that just got nominated recently? Yeah, I'd like a little bit more variety, and I'd like us to consider more potential possibilities. I'd like there for there to be two uh, nominees. Like get both Celine and Greta in there. Jesus, that'd be amazing. <laughs> but um, I just don't think that that's the world that we're living in yet uh, when we take a step back and we look at this objectively. Um, so I think she's a possibility. I'm not writing her off. Um I just don't have the confidence yet to predict her in terms of what I think will happen and also too, sadly, in terms of what the history of this category and the precedent that they've set.
1: Okay. Well, I again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think she has a tough road ahead of her because of the release date. Like, had this been released like December 13th and they had the screeners out at the normal time. If this was it a
0: Telluride release and it had time to build throughout the festivals, oh my God, could you imagine the possibilities?
1: But, you know, and I actually, back whenever the festival lamps were being announced, I was a little, I was kind of a little angry that Little Woman was just skipping the festivals pretty much entirely. And um, I do under after seeing the film, I understand why. They kept it under wraps um, mm-hmm. because there is something magical that happens. And, But I agree, for a pragmatic standpoint of being uh, an Oscar hopeful, it, it was the wrong decision. But, you know, it is what it is. And I think the film is going to find a lot of success regardless. And um, if it gets five Oscar nominations, great. If it gets more than that, great. Um, the money is still going to be rolling in.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like with the date that they were like, well, we can get the money or we can get the Oscars, and they went for the money.
0: And you know what? It's paying off.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Like, that's valid. Like-
0: <laughs> yeah, in this day and age, you know, I totally understand it. And let's also not forget, too, whether it gets the Oscar nominations or not, I know people want to look for justice in award season. Um, I get that. Um, but I think that the real justice comes from the passage of time, reevaluating stuff. I mean, I'm saying it's probably because we're at the end of the decade right now. And I've gone back and rewatched like some movies recently that released earlier in the decade that got a lot of praise. And I'm like, really, does that really hold up? And then there's like movies that didn't get like a lot of praise. And I'm like, this is phenomenal. Like, you know, and I think that Little Women, as we said before, has that timeless quality about it. And it's so clearly the best adaptation of the story that we've seen yet that I think that time is going to be So, so kind to what Greta Gerwig has done here. Even more so, yeah, like even if there is another adaptation in say, I don't know, 15 years or something like that.
2: Well, it's been 25 since the last like proper big Hollywood one.
0: Sure. Sure.
2: I know that because it was the year I was born.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Um, so let's let's call it another twenty-five years. That's twenty-five years for this film to live, to breathe, to find an audience, to be cherished and loved and held up, and um, and and then even then, could you guys imagine another version of the story being told that could possibly eclipse this
1: right now? No, and. Um, you know, but I do think that the the release date will hurt, it will harm its chances for nominations. But for wins, I think you know everyone's going to have seen it by the time that the Oscar, that the Academy votes for the winners. So I think that there is a very clear path for her to be rewarded in that regard. Like I don't think that this is going to be the total Oscar failure that that the release date would suggest. There is something magical about this film, and it's in the air right now.
0: She has a really good shot at winning adapted screenplay. She really does. Yeah. She really does.
1: It would be one of the best adapted screenplay winners since, um, I don't know, Matt, your your favorite little adapted screenplay winner, um, 2010. So. <laughs>
0: hey, hey, don't knock the social network, okay? That movie's a flat out masterpiece and definitely the defining film of the decade, FYI. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: All right, that will do it for our review of Little Women here on the next Best Picture podcast. Nicole, tell everyone that's listening where they can find you on the internet.
2: You can find me at
1: Nicole Ackman, 16, pretty much everywhere on the internet.
0: Ryan? You
1: can find me at RCS818.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Little Women here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneInPlayer, Cast CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next
1: time.